The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How is your work life going? Business? Home? Social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made, and by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi. Today's episode is about the lens through which you view your life with an invitation to adopt an exciting approach that may be new to you. My guest, success coach and clinical psychologist, Dr. Nicole Cutts, will talk about seeing your life as a hero or heroine's quest. From this lens of the hero or heroine, she'll discuss how you can clarify your vision of success and will offer stories that illustrate how you can overcome common blocks to achieving that vision. Dr. Cutts will draw on some of the wisdom that she shares in her book, The Adventures of Isabel Book One, The Embryo Goddess and the Morpho. She joins me virtually from Maryland. Dr. Cutts, I'm so honored to welcome you to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Dr. Cutts, you talk about the importance of people finding joy in their work. Tell us more about that as it relates to what the hero or heroine's quest is. Well, I believe that when we are on the quest, the hero or the heroine's quest to live our vision of success, it should be one of joy, you know, that our work should be something that we're passionate about and that that passion can also be considered love, that you should love your work and if you love your work, then you're going to find joy in it. And so that's my belief. You know, and a lot of us, um, even if, you're, if you work nine to five, you know, you spend a good portion of your life at work. I don't think it should be, you know, something that you just endure and then find other ways to enjoy your life. I think that you should also be able to enjoy that time that you're at work. How do you define what the hero or heroine's quest is? So the hero or the heroine's quest is really a, um, well, Joseph Campbell first talked about it in his book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, from, you know, back in 1949. And <clears throat> it's also referred to as the monomyth. And what Dr. Campbell um, discovered was that, you know, through studies of mythology and um, <clears throat> religions across all times and cultures, that there seems to be a common story that centers around the hero. Um, and it has discrete stages. And he's not the only one to talk about these stages, but, you know, the, the basic three acts, and we can go into more detail, but, the, you know, he breaks the stages of the hero's quest down into three acts. So 
like the departure, the initiation, and the return. And, you know, if you think about, probably an easy way to think about it is how it shows up in our um, current life, you know, in terms of movies and books. Like if you think about the Star Wars series and even uh, The Wizard of Oz, that all of those stories follow a similar arc or trajectory where our hero or, or our heroine leaves the safety of where they are to because of a call to adventure, and then they embark on this, this call to adventure, which has different trials and triumphs along the way. So it seems that inherent in, in that is a different view on the trials and tribulations that we might have otherwise. When you look at it from the standpoint of the hero's quest, it's really tied into that very deep joy and passion that you were referring to. Well, yeah, and that, that deep joy and passion is, I see that as the fuel that you will need to overcome the trials and tribulations. <laughs> so the, the reason why I encourage people to see their life as a hero or heroine's quest um, is because then they'll, they'll have a different frame or put a different lens on these so-called trials and tribulations. Because when the hero or the heroine, uh, they, lead, they, they decide that they want to do something great. Either they're, they make a conscious decision or they might be spurred into doing it. So, for example, in everyday life, you might lose your job and you had been thinking about starting your own business and you lose your job, you're having a hard time getting another one, and so you embark on this new adventure, you know, of, of starting your own business. So that would be considered like the call to adventure. You know, this thing can happen. Um, sometimes we're reluctant <laughs> to go out there, and that's, uh, you know, uh, the, the re- uh, refusal of the call. But once you step into this other world, you will encounter help along the way. And, you know, I always tell people that it's a clue that you are living, of your, living your vision of success and that you're on the right path when there's a lot of synchronicity or coincidences going on, you know, resources that come to you, people that are, are doing something similar to what you're doing. Um, and the the other point that you were making about the trials and tribulations is, of course, once you embark on this journey, um, in the monomyth, they talk about the road of trials. Um, and, you know, a lot of times, like if you think about fairy tales, a lot of times these trials come in three, you know, these tests. And you might not, most likely you're not going to pass all of them. I mean, it wouldn't be a great story if you just succeeded from the beginning. Um, and then you usually have to face, you know, it gets a little harder and you have to face an ordeal. So what I encourage people to do rather than seeing themselves as, you know, victims, let's say, you know, this isn't working out, this isn't working out, I've, I went in this direction and I got blocked, is to just know that if you are on the hero or the heroine's quest, you're going to encounter those trials and you're not meant to win all of them, but ultimately you will win out, especially if you use the fuel of your love for the work that you're doing. It makes sense also that there's a meaning attributed to those trials and tribulations. It's just like someone who has a fitness goal and they're out of the gym and they're feeling the aches and pains. Right. That it's all in the service, really, 
of that calling that you speak about. I love what you say about the calling because it points to an actual business case to, to pursue a calling mm-hmm. in that, I guess, part of the nature of a calling then, as you're describing it, is that it's a supported experience. Yeah. Yes. And the, the forces, you know, in the monomyth, they call it supernatural aid. Um, and sometimes it does seem supernatural, <laughs> you know, and that, that support that you will get from people when you're moving in the right direction. You know, and I'm lucky enough that as a success coach and a psychologist, I get to be that aid for a lot of people. I'm not going to claim being supernatural, but <laughs> I get to be a helper along the way to sort of shepherd people through this process, especially if they don't sort of step back and see the, the arc of the story. I might, I, you know, illuminate that for them. Where are you on the journey? And it's, you know, you get to see your life as an adventure and yourself as on this quest. And especially if you feel and you know that your vision of success, and I do want to define that a bit, but your vision of success is your mission. And like you said, your calling, then it gives it meaning, like you were talking about. And you realize that it's bigger than yourself. Um, that's another sort of, you know, reframe in this is that because at the later stages of the hero's quest, after you pass the ordeal, you know, which is the major conflict, you know, think about slaying the dragon, <laughs> um, the final battle. Um, once you do that, you get the reward or the prize, also known as the boon, and the story isn't complete until you bring it back to your people. So that's a very important thing to keep in mind that the way I define vision of success and the way I look at it through this this lens is that it can't just be for yourself. Like, if I had somebody who came to me uh, seeking success coaching and they just wanted to, you know, make a lot of money and they had no passion for their work and they didn't see it as benefiting anybody else, that that's not exciting to me. That's not interesting. That's not what I consider a vision of success. The vision of success has to include other people, has to include bringing something to the world. That seems also then you're adding to this definition of a calling that inherent in that it's considered to be a higher purpose that involves other people that's larger than you. Yes. Yes, it can't be ego-driven. I mean, you can't take ego completely out, and sometimes that is, you know, I I feel like the, the universe and our higher nature will use things. So if ego is in part driving you, okay, that's great, but it can't be the whole thing, you know, and a lot of times people feel more stress and more tension when it's about them being great rather than putting the focus on giving something to the world or to other people or being of service. This is just like LeBron James. Yeah. How it meant so much much to him that he made a vow that he was going to bring that win to Cleveland, and he did. Yeah. And it you really know, Cleveland, it lifted exactly. everyone. I'm sorry? It was uplifting. Oh, Yeah. I mean, you know, and like you said, that he brought it to everyone, and it was it was much needed, you know. That that that's 
I can't imagine the feeling there, but you know, it was it was very uplifting. Right. So part of this is that you're lifting yourself beyond anything that you might have imagined, and that lifting extends to many other people as well. Yes, and the the many other people help to lift you up. You know, so I don't know if you've seen the movie um, directed by Nelson George, uh, Ballerina's Tale, about the ballerina Misty Copeland. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? I haven't, but I, I know a little bit about her. Yeah, well, I, this, this, this documentary is really great, a Ballerina's Tale. But anyway, in, she goes through a lot of trials and tribulations, as you know, you know to include uh, broken bones in her shin and having to go through surgery, which could definitely be a career ender and dancing in pain, which a lot of dancers do. Um, but what really helped her to get through was once she realized, you know, similar to the story with LeBron, once she realized that her presence and her ascendancy in the world of ballet was so important to many people, you know, especially little girls of color, you know, to see that they could do that, that really is, again, that fuel that helped her to to get to the next level. When you have that visibility, then it really hits home also that the journey that you're on is a journey that's symbolic for many yeah. others. Yeah. Is there an example that you can give of how you've guided a client through this? Yes. Um, I had a client who was, when she came to me, she was feeling stuck. Um, she was in graduate school, but she wasn't really doing the work that she needed to be doing. You know, she was falling behind and she wasn't doing her work. So we we worked together on not just focusing on the coursework for graduate school, but for for what are you taking these courses? You know, where is it that you want to be? What is it that you want to be doing? And she was in the United States at the time, but she wanted to live and work abroad where she had she had spent some time there as a child and she wanted to work for, you know, non-government organization, NGOs, and, you know, working with people there and in human resources capacity. And so I helped her to clarify what her ultimate vision of success was and is. Um, and then also, you know, so I use a, a combination of what some people might consider sort of esoteric, like creative visualization, you know, to clearly visualize what it is that you want to do. But then I bring it down to a more practical level because I really don't think that you can just lay in your bed all day and visualize, you know, to your heart's content that things are going to manifest. Maybe small things will, but um, then I helped her to create a plan a action plan looking at milestones and what she wanted to get done. And once she had that clearly defined vision out there as an anchor and then a plan to get there, and we broke it down also into smaller chunks. You know, so here are the the bigger goals, but then here are the milestones. You know, well, how much do you think you can get done this week? And, you know, to guide her through that. And I think that she was just feeling overwhelmed and probably had lost sight of what it was that she was striving for. Um, And after that, 
she was able to regain her motivation and her clarity. Um, she's now living, wow, she's been a lot of places since then. She's been in Jordan. She's been in, in Kuwait. She's now in, in um, the lower parts of Africa, um, you know, and, and living her vision, you know, that, that she, she wanted to manifest all those years ago. It seems that a key point then in this whole experience is that anchor that you talked about, clarifying what your vision of success is, having that creative visualization process, and then grounding that process in an action plan where you're identifying milestones and then very concrete steps that are necessary that really focus you. And regardless of the breadth of travels that your vision entails, once you have that anchor in, you have a place that constantly helps you to come back to that core. Right. Right. Very well said. Thank you for that inspirational first segment. We're going to go to a quick commercial. When we come back, Dr. Cutts will provide pointers on how you can clarify and achieve your vision of success. Stay with us to learn more. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined virtually by success coach and clinical psychologist, Dr. Nicole Cutts. Dr. Cutts described the benefits of seeing your life as a hero or heroine's quest. This segment will focus on how you can clarify and achieve your vision of success. Dr. Cutts, what are the steps that you suggest for gaining clarity on a vision for success? Well, uh, it depends, Hemda, on where people are on that process. Um, some people have 
a notion, at least, of what their vision of success is. So they might be, a common example is somebody who is working a day job or a nine-to-five, and they really aren't satisfied there. And they've always had a passion, let's just say, for um, flowers, you know, and they've always had a passion for, um, and they wanted to have a, a flower shop, let's say. Um, they, that might be as far as they've gone with the vision. So in order to help them clarify, you know, we could start with that and then, um, you know, I talked in the first segment about using creative visual, visualization. So one of the tools that you can use is to write your ideal vision of success. And what I encourage people to do is to write as much as they see in their mind's eye. You know, don't worry about the how um, that they're going to get there, or don't worry if certain parts are not completely clear, but the ideal vision means writing down ideally what you want, uh, only stating things in the positive, so you don't talk about what you don't want, but only what you do want, and say it, um, write it in the future tense. Um, I'm sorry, that was a mistake. Right in the present tense because you want to take out that idea of striving or wanting it but seeing it as if it's really happening right now. So that's something, that's one tool that helps people to clarify, you know, okay, so I know flowers, but what about flowers, any particular kind? You know, where do I want my shop to be? To put as much detail as possible that will help them clarify their vision. And then after that, we would work together on a plan, again, a plan of action to help them to achieve that. Now, some people come to me um, without even so much as an idea of what they want to do. Instead, they might be in a similar place in terms of not being satisfied with where they are, but they might not know what it is that they want to do. I had one client who came to me. She had a couple different paths that she could go down. And what our work was, was really, you know, she needed to choose, was so helping her to discern which one she was more passionate about, which one made more sense for her. But some people are in a place where, again, they just know that they're not satisfied with where they are. So people like that, who are in that stage, what I encourage them to do is to pay attention There's a lot of wisdom, you know, in our bodies connected to our emotions and our feelings and to just pay attention to what gets them excited, you know, what gets them going. So pay attention. If you're watching Netflix and you see you're drawn to a documentary about fashion design or to dance or animals, whatever it is, to pay attention to what it is that gets you excited. Um, When you talk to other people, You know, even if you only have the faintest idea of what it is that you want to do, I say pay attention and follow your instincts. So if you've just had a passing notion that you might want to, you know, do something with birds, then go there. You know, go to an aviary and look at birds or look them up online or, you know, just follow even if those little yearnings, and sometimes the voice might be very faint depending on, what stage you're in in terms of this vision realization. But even the faintest voice or inkling, I suggest following that. Because when you take, I I liken it to 
stepping stones going across a, a creek or a river if it's foggy. A lot of times, you know, you're standing on the bank and you want to see to the other bank completely clearly, you know, what is my vision going to be? I know I was in that position at one point. I wanted a burning bush experience, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And instead, what happens is if you you look down and you see the next stone, you know, no matter how, um, you know, you're not sure how this makes sense, but you take that one step and then you can see the next one and the next one and the next one. And then eventually you get to the vision and you see it. Um, so being aware of what gets you motivated and excited and then following your instincts is how you can begin the process. Now, if you already have an idea of what you want to do, then you would follow the other steps that I mentioned. So people might start out with this common ground of experiencing some kind of dissatisfaction that's a motivator which stimulates this desire and the impetus to explore. And you mentioned for those who have some sense of direction, you were extending the creative creative visualization process that you had talked about in the first segment to also a writing exercise in Mm -hmm. which someone would record their ideal vision of success, all of the details that you can think of uncensored, Mm -hmm. and frame that in the present tense, which is really a connection that it's possible. It's this idea that you're translating a thought, a vision, a desire into something that's actually real. Mm Mm-hmm. And you, you start with identifying it a little bit more on a micro level. Yes. And then for those who have a harder time right now being able to articulate to that level, start with observation. Pay attention to what draws you in. And start working with that and build on it. Very well said. You're you know, very it reminds- good at encapsulating. <laughs> it's, it's all those years of coaching. <laughs> and, it, you know, it reminds me actually of, of an exercise that I did with a client of mine. She was working in a large financial institution, and she had been a teacher for many years, a math mm-hmm. teacher, and then become a financial analyst. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me that she felt dissatisfied. And so I invited her to look at the positions that she had, she's had across her entire career, and she built this elaborate spreadsheet on Excel Mm-hmm. And whereby she looked at the different skills that she contributed, the different interests that were involved. And she came to me and she said, my goodness, I can totally see why I'm dissatisfied right now. Because when I was teaching, I was engaging X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. these particular strengths of mine. And now those are completely out of the picture in this position. Right. And so just sometimes having that analysis that you're doing in writing that's right in front of you where you can see the data Mm-hmm. really helps that enlightenment process. Yes, yes. And the the dissatisfaction that we were talking about, I think that, um, you know, I, I created a <clears throat> theoretical model about how we come to be living our visions. My theory is that um, the vision is an entity also. You know, and that needs us to bring it into the world. And I see the universe or a higher power almost as a cosmic matchmaker that helps to put you together 
with the vision. And before you get together with the vision, um, the first state or stage is feeling alienation. You know, that's that, that dissatisfaction, that restlessness is alienation. And then the next stage is encounter where you have some meeting with the vision. And sometimes, like you said, that meeting might be just this realization that, oh, I'm not, I'm not getting these um, needs met in this experience. And then you might experience denial, which is similar to in the monomyth of that refusal of the call. You know, you deny it. Oh, that's not really for me. A lot of times, because it doesn't make sense. You know, like let's say you are a lawyer, and you spend all that time in law school, and you pass the bar, and you start to feel dissatisfied, and you, something tells you you want to go work in a zoo. Oh, well, no, that can't be. <laughs> you know, that's that denial. And then you would move into acceptance um, because the, the vision's not, not going to go away. I mean, you can make it go away, but then that's just very bad for you um, psychologically. And then once you accept that this is your vision, then the fifth stage is courtship. So you start courting your vision. You, you, know, you go to the zoo and you visit. You go to the library and start reading books on, on you know, being a zookeeper. All of these kind of things, that's the courtship. And then the sixth stage or state is consummation, you know, when you really start engaging with your vision. And then next you would commit to it and... That's that, you know, that's the, the consummation and the commitment. You really know that you're living your vision, right? So it's not a, a future proposition. It's something that you're actively engaged in. Um, you, you're very clear, you know, when you stop and do a little inventory, which I also suggest if things start to get stale, is to do an inventory of where you are. Is this still my vision? Is this still my passion? And then the next stage for some people might be separation. That and it's there's nothing wrong with that. If you inventory your where you are with your vision and you've fallen out of love, let's say with it, you know, or you've gotten it to a certain point that you wanted to get it to, it's okay to separate, you know, and go and find a new vision. You know, or maybe a new vision comes to you. How would you describe that whole process, all of these different steps that you talked about? In total, there are how many steps? Seven. Seven. And commitment is I'm the sorry, last one. sorry, eight. Eight. The seventh is commitment, and eight is separation, but that's definitely optional. <laughs> right. What would you call this process, all these eight I steps? named it the vision realization continuum because I came up with this not long after getting out of grad school so you know I'm still talking like that mm-hmm. <laughs> well I love the word continuum though right because it's not a disjointed experience of your life it's a process right that's kind of how you describe a journey really it's mm-hmm. it's on a continuum right yeah and so, it's a, it's a similar arc you know when you look at the graphic at least one graphic representation of the monomyth, it's a circle. You know, it's a circle. And you can go on as many of these adventures and quests as you would like. (laughs) Um, So, so again, you know, like 
when you view your life in that way, it's it's more of an adventure. It's more fun. You know, yes, it has its trials and tribulations, but, you know, who doesn't want to be the hero or heroine of their own story? And it sounds like also in this circle or arc, you can come in and out of it if you need to. You can pause at certain points if you yeah. need to step back and regroup right. or if changes happen in your life. Yes, yes, and and that's a really important point because there needs to be a certain amount of allowing going on on your part and a cooperation with the universe and the forces, you know, and it doesn't really serve the vision if you're beating yourself up or feeling guilty or, you know, um, stressed because you decide you're not where you're supposed to be or I can't leave this vision alone right now because I haven't gotten it to where I need to get it to. It's not just about you and your will. It's also cooperation with what's needed around you because you are the vehicle or the vessel through which the vision is to come, and it's not something that you can force. So you might actually be on two continuums at the same time, right? If you're in your current role, Mm -hmm. if you're an entrepreneur and you have your own business, or if you're an employee, or if you've taken time away from work, you are experiencing those kinds of stages, and you might at the same time then be going through this visioning experience and maybe coming to acceptance around the end of what you're doing mm-hmm. and the beginning of something new. So yes. you might be accepting that where you are is not really where you need to be mm-hmm. upcoming. And then you might need to accept another alternative that you could have some resistance around, as you mentioned. Yes. And another... Um an alternative way of looking at that, you know, when you mentioned being on um, different places in the continuum at once, let's say, for example, you're living your work vision. You know, you are in the job or you have the business that you want to have, and then you start to um, have the urge to have a baby, <laughs> you know, and you, or let's say you don't have the urge and you get pregnant, you know, um, and you want to refuse that call, but then you come to accept that. And then you're on another great quest, you know, where you would be going through those, the stages of motherhood. You know, it, let's say if you're a woman, um, you know, getting to that stage of accepting and then really engaging with that vision. And, you know, the other vision might take a back burner. It might not. You know, these are all of the, you know, the choices that we make, but you could like you said, be in in two different places depending on which one of the um, visions you're looking at. So this is a totally another angle, actually, for seeing your life as a hero or heroine's quest, that sometimes you go through this deliberate visioning process, Mm -hmm. and other times you encounter something that you never envisioned, and it's important to look at it, like you said, as an adventure. And that changes the way that you experience it, and it changes the outcomes. Yes, yes. So sometimes that initial call to adventure, like you said, can be a conscious choice, and sometimes it's something that comes out of the blue that's unexpected. Like in my um, heroine's quest fairy tale, The Adventures of Isabel, 
she experiences her first major call to adventure at the, you know, she has adventures along the way, but her major call to adventure is precipitated by a death. You know, and I can't say anything more about that. You have to read the book, but Mm -hmm. it's precipitated by a death. So it's not something that she consciously thought of and planned for and decided. It was this uh, occurrence, very, you know, significant occurrence, and a need at the same time that propelled her out on this first major call to adventure. Right, so it's in, it's engaging both the unexpected and the planned experiences of life in the service of the calling that mm-hmm. really makes it a hero's journey. Yes. You know, and you decide. You know, we, we decide as individuals, you know, do I want to heed this call <laughs> or do I want to bat it away and deny it because it's not reasonable or it's not what's expected or I probably won't achieve it Um, and that's up to you I mean my personal philosophy is you have to heed the call you know because otherwise you're going in an opposite direction and I think it's soul killing you know and and I also think that a lot of times we experience things like depression and anxiety as a symptom of not living our vision of success. So as we're wrapping up this segment, you're tying this back also to the place where we began in our conversation today, which is about joy. Mm. And being able to tap into and sustain that experience of joy in life seems very much tied into what you're talking about in terms of embracing the hero or heroine's quest. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to go to a brief commercial. When we return, Dr. Cutts will discuss how you can overcome common blocks to achieving your vision. We'll be back shortly. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. 
Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. We're back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, speaking with success coach and clinical psychologist, Dr. Nicole Cutts, who joins me virtually from Maryland. Dr. Cutts provided guidance on how you can clarify and achieve your vision of success. Of course, success does not come without engaging barriers as stepping stones. And Dr. Cutts presented a very interesting model that she uses with clients called the Vision Realization Continuum. Dr. Cutts, it would be so helpful if you could recap that as we're looking to launch our conversation about attending to roadblocks on the path to achieving our vision. Okay, I'd be happy to. So there are eight stages of the, of the vision realization continuum. The first stage is alienation. That's when you don't know what your vision is, and you might be, well, you will be experiencing some dissatisfaction or um, upset. The second stage is encounter, where you have your initial encounter. It's either a thought or something that's presented to you or certain circumstances that puts you in touch with your vision. And then step three, or stage three rather, is could be denial. Not everybody goes through denial, but this is um, where you might say, no, this can't be. You know, it's totally unreasonable. I'm a, a, a MD. How could I possibly want to go and do this job, whatever it is? The fourth stage is acceptance, um, where you decide, okay, this is my vision and I'm going to engage with it. The fifth step is courtship, where you begin to engage in the vision. And it's, you know, actually similar to a courtship that might occur with people where you engage and disengage. You know, you're, you're fearful and then you're, you're not fearful. And then the sixth stage is consummation. That's where you fully engage with your vision. It's when you can say that you are in fact, living your vision of success. So you've left the safety of, let's say, your law practice, and you're actually working as a dog walker, okay, and loving it because you have to have joy. You have to be loving your vision. The, and it doesn't mean there aren't trials and tribulations. It just means that you have a passion that carries you through. The seventh stage is commitment. And it's when you decide that this is it, this is what I'm going to focus on, and for some people, that can be the last stage where they commit to this one thing, and that is what they do for the rest of their lives. For other people, there can be an eighth stage, which is separation, which just means that after, you know, almost like marriage counseling between you and your vision, you might decide that you're no longer in love with this vision and you've gotten it to a place that you want to get it to. It's been born. Let's say it was to write a book. You know, it's been born. It's out there in the world, and you might move on to your next vision. You know, that encapsulates the, the eight stages that we were talking about of the vision realization continuum. It seems at this point that you're bringing out around 
potentially moving on to another vision if that is really fitting for you is so important because sometimes people have this experience of failure mm-hmm. that if they've made a huge investment in something they feel bad about their energy shifting someplace else yes yes and you know I had a something that occurred in my own life where um, as I was nearing the end of my graduate program in psychology, I was in the fourth year of a five-year program, and I fell out of love with clinical psychology. <laughs> and I said, oh, wow, this has been a guiding passion since second year of undergrad, and I was starting to fall out of love. And it wasn't just, you know, temporary doubt. I did, for a time, fall out of love with psychology. And I made a practical decision to finish my program because it was in the fourth year of a five-year program, but on a search for what it was that I was passionate about. So at that time, I called it, you know, my passion. I've come to, but I went on a search for what I was passionate about, and it took me in a few different directions, you know. Um, I came back to the East Coast. I had been out on the West Coast, came back to the East Coast. I was luckily living in my parents' house. And I had some jobs in the field, you know, small jobs, but I was really spending my time looking for what it was that I was passionate about. I was reading books like Barbara Shares, I Could Do Anything If Only I Knew What It Was, Nelson Bowles, What Color Is Your Parachute, (laughs) you know, praying, meditating on it. And the first passion that I was drawn to, was really drawn back to, was something that I had always loved, which was art. And I re-engaged in painting. Um, I was selling my artwork. You know, it's a longer process, but I'm giving you the short version. You know, and, you know, that didn't, I didn't experience any guilt, you know, just because that's the way I'm wired. Like, I'm, like, if my instinct is telling me this, if my heart is going there, then that's where I'm supposed to go. But, to the outside world, <laughs> you know, it looks like, well, wait, this doesn't make sense. You know, didn't you just spend five years in graduate school? Shouldn't you be doing this? or do-? You know, and for me, you know, it's like life is too short to be in the shoulds. Like, I should do this just because, I, like, why if I spent five years, which I enjoyed, it, would I have to become a slave to something because that's what I had studied? Now, I have come back to psychology and re-engaged in it in a different way, but my past first took me back to my art, and then it took me to creating an organizational consulting company, which I still have, and then it took me to creating Vision Quest Retreats, which is my all-abiding passion at this you know, at this time. I can't imagine falling out of love with the work of Vision Quest Retreats, but it could happen, and if it did, then I would accept that as the separation stage and would probably go off on a quest for my next thing. You have a mission within a mission within a mission within a mission. <laughs> That's a good way. That's a good way to put it. You're still engaging all of the different things that you've done. You're engaging the wisdom. You're engaging the skills. It's just part of a larger plan. It, that's You know, I hadn't thought about it that way because I... I still create my art. You know, I've, I've, you know, incorporated writing. I still work in the organizational setting. I still do 
therapy, and I still do, you know, the success coaching and the other work of Vision Quest retreats. So it's almost like building a community. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, you know, I'm probably not unique in that sense. There are people, you know, who gather up their different experiences and the people who they share those with along the way, and you don't know ultimately where it's going to lead, and that's part of the excitement. Right, that sometimes you can't really gauge how long that particular mission will be, when that mission will be complete. Yeah. But just to acknowledge when you have a sense of completion around it, and sometimes that comes in the form of maybe an uncomfortable feeling that I feel like I'm already done here, but I still have a little bit more to go. Yeah. But my mind and my spirit and my emotions are open for the next adventure. Right, right. And so you can begin that process, as you said, of the vision realization continuum. That You can still be in, in one phase completing a mission and work towards starting the next one. Yes. What else would you say in terms of working toward achieving this vision? And it seems that this continuum that you outlined, this eight-step continuum, is really a framework for achieving a mission. Mm-hmm. In terms of the blocks that many people experience, how do you work with a client to overcome those blocks and what are some of the common ones that you work with? So some of the blocks are practical. Um, so pr- practical would include financial. Um, let's say, you know, one of the most common ones is I'm on this path, uh, let's say you're an executive, and I'm sure you've encountered, you know, people in this situation. You're an executive, you've risen to a certain point, and you have the salary that goes along with that, and you have the lifestyle that's being supported by that salary. You're increasingly uh, becoming dissatisfied with that, and you realize that you want to be a teacher. Um, Not going to fetch the same salary, you know. So that's a practical block of how do I go from over here, you know, with everything that's built up or built on top of this executive salary to over here where I know that my heart will be fulfilled and I will love it, but, you know, and let's say you have kids in college or, you know, other expenses that you can't just jettison, (laughs) Um, that's a practical block. So with those kind of blocks or, you know, even just time, let's say another practical block would be I'm trying to start a side business, but I have a job that takes up 10 hours a day and I'm exhausted by the time that's over. So the way to address those practical blocks is with strategy um, and a plan, you know, with having like a, um, a, a, an outline that says, okay, here's my goal. Let's say I want to be out of this position and in this one by the end of five years. Then we go back to looking at the milestones to getting there. Um, I, I liken it to like if you're um, on the, there are these platforms that are suspended, you know, uh, on top of like flagpoles, and you're on this platform and you want to get over to this one. Well, some people do just leap, <laughs> but you might have to build a bridge over to it. So those, that, you know, just takes careful planning and, um, you know, strategic planning 
to get from one place to the other. Other common blocks are um, emotional. You know, fear is the biggest block, really. Some people are afraid of failure, and some people are afraid of their success. And one of the fears that I've been really focusing on and writing about lately is the fear, more the fear of success and how that's attached to the fear of taking up and embracing our power because there's a flip side to being a hero or heroine. I mean, it's still a part of it. To me, it's, it's exciting, but it can also be kind of scary. You know, when you leave the safety of the mundane world um, and heed that call to adventure, you're often on uh, the unbeaten path, you know, the unexplored path, at least for you, you know, for your life and maybe other people also. You know, you don't have a lot of people to look to to do it. So it can be very frightening. Um, but the the power that you encounter and that you embrace as you start to live your vision can be very scary for people. Um, I, I've talked to clients who feel, you know, if I go down this road, I'm going to have this responsibility. You know, if I start living in my greatness, people are going to expect this of me. And so they, you know, and I might not be able to sustain it, you know, so they back away from that. Um, I'm still exploring some of the reasons why people are afraid to take up their power, but it can be messages from the outside. It can be messages that we've internalized. And some of the steps to overcoming these are first to look at the fear. You know, look at the nature of this fear. What exactly is the fear? To question it. Is this reasonable? Is this rational? Okay, let's say I can't let go of it. I know it's irrational. Then I try to help people raise what they're doing to the level of a conscious choice. Okay, so I'm afraid that if I take up my power and I'm successful in this, certain people won't like me. Okay, so am I willing to not live my vision of success in order to have people like me? Hmm, no, I'm not. (laughs) You know, so those are some of the strategies. You know, there are all kind of ways to address the fears. Sometimes there are psychological blocks, and, you know, I help people with those, you know, dismantling childhood messages, dismantling messages like, like I just mentioned, you know, if I'm successful, people won't like me, or I'll leave my family behind, or, you know, so questioning those thoughts is not just questioning, but getting them out, sometimes doing a ritual to um, get rid of the fear, could be burning it, could be burying it, you know, those kind of strategies, and, and we could probably spend a whole episode just on that, but... Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. Since we're at the wrap-up point, I'm going to have to invite you back so we can delve into this. But I think that you've offered so much for us to work with in looking at this framework, this eight-step continuum, the visualizing, the writing, and also recognizing some of the markers, the emotional markers that we might experience. Thank you for this invaluable encouragement and practical tools and inspiration. My pleasure. I'd like to invite you to step further into the hero or heroine's quest by reading Dr. Cutt's book, The Adventures of Isabel, Book One, The Embryo Goddess and the Morpho, now that you've had a taste of it, available through Amazon for Kindle and on Dr. Cutts' website, 
visionquestretreats, with an S at the end, dot com. And you can go to that website to contact Dr. Cutts if you'd like to explore inviting her to speak or present a book talk at your organization or to engage with her around success coaching via phone or on Skype. If you have comments or unanswered questions about today's episode, I welcome you to email me at hosthemda at gmail.com or please share your thoughts with me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and Facebook at Turn the Page Radio. Until next week, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, inviting you to turn the page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.